Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Sarah, we are so proud of the person you have become. We see a young woman with a strong faith who tries to live out the commands of Jesus every day of your life. You are following God's call on your life by being His hands, His voice, and His feet at camp all year long. You are happy there, satisfied with your work, knowing full well it will never make you rich this side of heaven. You have been a tremendous blessing to so many people, most especially to us. Before you were born, a friend told me that having a baby would change my life in ways I couldn't even imagine. She was so right. I still remember holding you in my arms for the first time and loving you so fiercely and completely. You were my little girl then and you will always be my girl. I remember the day you were born like yesterday. It was actually on Mother's Day at 11.24 p.m., which didn't leave me much time to get a Mother's Day present. I wound up getting your mother a hamburger from the gas station next to the hospital. The hospital's kitchen was closed. She loved it, even though I forgot the condiments. I think she was focused on the gift that God gave us, you. Years later, we were living in Germany, and one Sunday at church, there was a baptism. On the way home, you asked a lot of questions about it and its significance. When we got home, we talked some more about what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We prayed together, and you started your journey as a Christian. Not long after that, Pastor Eltis Newell baptized you. You were always strong-willed and independently minded. Your grandma used to laugh out loud when I would bring it up. I'm not sure why. She also told me that strong and independent girls grow up to be women that can take care of themselves, which has certainly turned out to be true in your case. When you were small and still let me tuck you into bed, I would pray over you. Most nights I would pray for you to develop a strong faith of your own. I would also pray for your future husband, that he'd be a godly man and a great partner. Over the years, you have had several opportunities to develop relationships with young men, but you were patient and discerning, waiting for the one God had for you. I marvel at your creativity and talent. As I was dusting the other day, I noticed all the things around our home that have come from your skilled hands. Paintings, drawings, clay figurines, and other works of art. Not to mention that you can sing, create really cool escape rooms, and are a good cook. You also have a sweet and gentle spirit. God has blessed you with some amazing talents that you often use to bless others. We are so proud of you and the decisions you have made that led you to where you are now. Married to a good, godly man, working full-time at a Christian camp, and impacting the lives of so many young people for Christ. Know that we will never stop praying for you, and we love you so very much. Love, your mother and father. I'm loving those videos every single week, and uh, I'm glad I get to watch them beforehand because I would start teaching up here and I'd be crying, so it's good that I see them before you guys do. Uh, hey, who have you had in your life that uh, just continually spoke wisdom to you? 
Uh, maybe you can think of something that just continues to resonate in your mind. Uh, you think about something your parents used to say to you that's now come true, uh, that you kind of just go, man, I didn't think I would ever say those same things to my kids, but now I find myself saying them. Uh, and it's just stuck with you. Uh, I know for, for me, my dad is one of those people that just had lots of things that he would say to me over and over again, uh, and they've kind of just stuck with me. One that I particularly remember, he would always say to me and my brother, boys, you know, it's, it's funny how there's never enough time to do something right the first time but there's always time to go back and do it again the second time. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get that now, right? Like as, a, as an adult, I'm going to just take the time to do the job right the first time, or you're going to have to make the time to go back and do it again on the backside. And so I think about these kind of statements that were made, and you can probably all recite things that people have said to you uh, over your life. And as we're jumping into Proverbs chapter three today, we're in this series called Letters to My Children, and we're talking about God writing to us. Uh, and he does that through Solomon. He has this letter that Solomon is writing to his son, but God's communicating continually, even after Solomon's death and the son of Solomon has died, we're still learning from God through what Solomon recorded and wrote. And so this has been preserved for us. But as we jump this morning into Proverbs chapter 3, I really feel like this chapter is kind of the culmination of things that Solomon had said to his son or sons multiple times over a long span of time. Like this just sounds to me like something that Solomon wasn't writing for the first time. Like these are things that he has said, he's repeated over the years. It's been a conversation piece in their home. Like he has continued to say these things. And so as we approach this today, we're going to approach this chapter a little bit differently than we have the previous two. Uh, and we're just going to imagine that we're sitting down today with King Solomon and we're able to get coffee with something, someone that the Bible says is the wisest person who ever lived. Solomon asked God for wisdom. Instead of riches or the defeat of his enemies, he asked God if he would give him wisdom to govern his people. And so God did that. So we get to be the beneficiaries today and sit down. I'm just going to take a seat here and we're going to pretend like we're just having a conversation with Solomon and we're seeing some things that he's written. Now, I don't drink coffee, so I have hot chocolate. I don't know where you guys are uh, as far as your beverage of choice goes, but you can go ahead and take a sip this morning if you got it. All right, and so we're just going to be sitting and talking to Solomon for just a few minutes. And here's what we're going to find as we see what Solomon is writing about. There are three key relationships that Solomon really comes along to in Proverbs chapter 3. He's going to talk about our relationship with God. He's going to talk about our relationship with wisdom. And he's going to talk about our relationship with other people, specifically our neighbors. And that's such a profound place to start for Solomon as he's talking about these relationships, because I think Solomon knows what we all know is that the core of our life is relationship. You can make your life about a lot of things, but if you leave out relationship, your life will suffer. And so Solomon is going to tell us how to have good and wholesome relationships and how to go into life with good relationships. So as we're kind of sitting down this morning and just drinking a cup of coffee or hot chocolate with King Solomon and learning from him, I want us to know on the very outset that all of us struggle with relationship. And I think Solomon understood that. Like, this is hard. Your relationship with God is probably hard. You may not want to admit that, but you have a struggle in your relationship with God. I know that I struggle in my relationship with God. There's things that, that I don't like sometimes that God tells me to do. There are areas in my life that I continue to rebel against God, and I'm not proud of that. But there are things where we're just in conflict and tension with God. 
And if you sit here this morning, you go, well, I don't have any problem with God. Like my relationship is perfectly fine with God. And I never doubt him or question him or think bad about him or anything like that. You're probably one of three things. You're like lying to yourself (laughs) or you're naive or you just haven't been a Christian long enough to really have any understanding about the depth of relationship that's available to you. And so as Solomon talks first about God, he's going to point us back and he's going to go, we need to understand what it looks like to live in this relationship. And when you read in the Old Testament, the story of God and God's people, one of the places that you come to is a guy named Jacob. Jacob is is a guy who had just rebelled against his family, run away. He was a mischievous. He was just kind of a creepy guy in a lot of different ways. But God continued to pursue him and God chased Jacob. And eventually one night there gets to a place where God sends what's called the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord fights with Jacob in a field overnight. Jacob's just asleep and this angel comes and just starts wrestling with him. And the Bible says that all night long, Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And then eventually, as daybreak is about to come up, the angel touches Jacob's hip and dislocates it. And the the fight's over at that point. Jacob's in pain, he stops. And the angel of the Lord says, I'm going to change your name. You're no longer going to be known as Jacob. Now you're going to be Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and with man, and you've prevailed. Right, and that's the story of God's people throughout the rest of the Old Testament. They wrestle with God, they wrestle with people, and somehow they still prevail. God's blessing is on them. They continue to find ways. And there's something that's interesting in that as we think about it, because I think that God somehow takes joy in us when we get to a place of deep relationship where we're willing to wrestle with him where we're willing to say, I don't have this all figured out. I don't even know if I trust you right now. I don't know if you're good or not. I don't know if if your judgments are right. Like, I don't know, but I'm willing to wrestle through this because I believe you're good and I want to learn to trust you and I want to be in relationship with you. And I think God takes joy when his people are willing to wrestle with him. And so as we think about that, we also then think about our relationship with people because he, Jacob was told, Israel was told, you, you've wrestled with God, but you've also wrestled with man and you've prevailed, right? And so we think about the relationships we have with people and none of those relationships are perfect. Your relationship with your spouse isn't perfect. Your relationship with your kids aren't perfect. I was thinking about my kids this week and I was like, I remember when they were little and they just did whatever I did and they believed whatever I told them and they didn't even question things. And now I have teenagers, And I start to say something before I even get the full sentence out. They go, I know. Oh, I forgot that you were completely all wise and knowledgeable about every situation. I had no idea. I forgot. Sorry about that, right? I know. I know, Dad. Right? And all of a sudden, my kids have ideas that are not my ideas. They believe and think things that I don't believe and think. And there's both something that's really great about that because they're in their independence and they're growing and they're figuring things out and how they're going to do life and what that's going to look like. But there's also some things that are terrifying about that. And I think as we look at relationship, we go, man, I've got to figure out how to navigate this well and how to bring glory to God through the relationships that I have. And then last, we think about the relationships that we have with neighbors. Who are the people around us? God's given you relationships with people and maybe some of your neighbors, you're like, man, I just love those people and we hang out together and it's fun and exciting. And then you've got other neighbors that you're like, we avoid them at all costs. And if you don't believe it, they probably ignore you and avoid you as well. But you're like, I have these relationships and I think God has put me in this neighborhood, in this house 
to impact the kingdom of God for eternity and to think about the people who live around me. So how am I going to do these three things? And so we're going to start to dive in this morning. I want us to look at Proverbs chapter three, and we have a chance to learn how to lean into relationships. So let's see how we approach this. And I appreciated Angie reading this just a minute ago, but let's pick up on the first 12 verses to start. Solomon writes and says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring prosperity and peace. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So again, I, I can imagine that these are things that Solomon has communicated to his son many times over the span of many years. And now he's writing them down and he's preserving them both for his son and for us that God uses this tool. But I think as we see this, you can almost kind of see this as Solomon's greatest hits. Like these are some things that Solomon wants to communicate. He wants to pass along. Here's what I want you to know, son. And as he writes these things, we see that a relationship with God has major advantages for life. Because the primary relationship I want you to know about and understand how to lean into is this relationship with God. He loves you. He's your father in heaven. And so how do we do that? And he says, there are some advantages you gain from this. In verse four, we see you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. He says, if you follow God, you'll, he'll make your paths straight. In verse six, in verse eight, it says shunning evil brings health to your body. Verse 10 says financial stewardship results in abundance, right? Like all of these things, the benefits that we gain and that Solomon would say, if you want to know that there is goodness that comes from a relationship with God, listen to what I'm telling you. There are good things that happen when you follow Jesus, when you follow the Savior. And then having this relationship with God isn't just about a bunch of dry commands and living a moral life. I think a lot of people have that perspective on Scripture, it's like, if I just keep the commands, if I do the laws, it's all about that. The Bible is primarily a book about relationship. And he's saying, I don't want this to be dry and crusty and boring. This is like something I want you to lean into and go, this is how you know God and how you live in peace with him. And verses five and six are some of the most well-known verses in scripture. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, yield to him and he'll make your path straight. But a lot of times we stop with verse six and we don't go on to verse seven, which says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Right? And so as Solomon writes this, he goes, I want you to understand that there is a way to do life. And that if you're going to follow God, you've got to submit to him wholeheartedly. Right now, how many of you know that the school of hard knocks is a really good teacher? You've been there been in that space before, you've learned your lessons the hard way, right? It's a great teacher. The School of Hard Knocks will take you and educate you quickly. But how many of you also know that it's just as good or maybe better if you can help somebody learn those same lessons through your life without them having to experience it on their own? <laughs> like I want my sons to not have to go through some of the pain and difficulty that I've been through. I want them to learn how to avoid some things that I learned the hard way. 
The problem is for a lot of us that we just repeat the generational mistakes of our parents. Then instead of learning from the things of people who've gone before us, of people who have messed up before us, we just take on those same characteristics. Instead of learning from their sins or avoiding the mistakes that they made, we dive headlong into the same patterns of behavior or belief. And I think if Solomon were sitting across the table from us this morning having coffee with us, he would say, hey, listen, there's a way to avoid that. If you'll place your trust in God, and if you will forget about leaning into your limited understanding, your limited knowledge, your lack of full understanding about things in life, if you'll trust in God and don't lean on those things that are incomplete and insufficient, and if you'll yield to him and submit to him, he'll make your path straight. So fear the Lord and shun evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And Solomon's kind of given us this reality check about going, how wise do you think you are? More wise than the God of the universe? Will you yield to him and let him have control? And when he says trust, that word means to lie helpless face down. That's what that word means in the Hebrew. God, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm going to lie helpless face down. It's the imagery that we might get of a master uh, having a servant who's lying on the floor face down waiting for his commands or his orders to be given to him. It's also what we might consider from a military perspective, uh, a soldier who's surrendering in battle to a general and who's just laying down, pleading for his life because the battle's over and he's lost. Like if we're going to trust in God, we're going to lay face down on the ground and we're going to say it's your way, not mine. I'm yielding to you. I put my faith in my life in your hands. So if you really want to walk a straight path in life, it requires you to surrender the ways that you think, believe, and feel to God even when it goes against your natural inclinations. So then Solomon, I think he would kind of pick up his coffee cup and go, all right, let's just take another drink here this morning so you guys can take a break for just a second in our little conversation that we're having with Solomon. I'll get some hot chocolate. I burned my mouth earlier today drinking that for the first time. I had to go back and put some cold water in it. So my tongue's a little scorched this morning. But I think Solomon changes the conversation here just a little bit. He takes a break and he goes, now let's talk about another relationship that I want you to understand. And Solomon talks about a relationship with wisdom, and here's what he says, verses 13 through 26. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver, and she yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be like life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, you will, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. And so last week, we talked about this idea of searching for wisdom like it's a treasure hunt. 
Right, do we have any prospectors in the room this morning? Anybody been out digging for gold this week or anything like that? No, I didn't think so. Uh, and so this language sometimes doesn't really appeal to us, and we kind of go, I don't get it. Like, I don't do a whole lot of digging for gold and searching for silver and buried treasure and all that kind of stuff. And so you have to put it in a little different context and go, well, what's the treasure for you? When he says you need to search after wisdom and find wisdom and get understanding because she's more profitable than gold and silver and rubies, you need to go, man, for me, wisdom, this attaining of wisdom that I need to pursue and chase after means that wisdom is greater in importance to me than my continuing education, than that degree I'm trying to get. It's more important to me than the job career I'm trying to pursue and the opportunity to go to the next level in my job field. It's more important than even the relationship that I think is going to complete me and fulfill me, but, but this wisdom is something that I need to attain even more than that relationship. You plug in whatever it is that your heart's desire is for, whatever you're spending your time and effort and energy pursuing, and you go, that thing is your treasure. And having wisdom is more valuable and more important than that. It's like getting gold and silver and rubies. Right? And so he says, you need to pursue those things. And Solomon would say, look at the benefits that come to your life when you invest in a relationship with wisdom. He points out some things. Long life is in her right hand. Riches and honor are in her left hand. Her ways are pleasant. Her paths are peace. She's a tree of life, right? We get this imagery of the Garden of Eden. And when we talk about wisdom, we said this in the first week of the series, but I'll remind you just a little bit, wisdom is personified as a person in, in this passage, right? Like Solomon is writing as if wisdom is a person and he gives her this female shape. It's so we can relate to and identify. The culmination of God's wisdom is really found in Jesus. And so everything that we see happening with wisdom is pointing at Jesus and going, if you'll pursue Jesus... It brings long life. It brings peace and prosperity. It brings abundance to you. It brings eternal life. She's the tree of life. This thing that's going to give you eternity. This comes from wisdom. So gaining and operating in wisdom is never going to harm you. In fact, the opposite is true. Being foolish and going against the ways of wisdom leads to hurt and shame and death. But for me, there's a particular part of this passage that has really had some significance in my life and and I wanted to share that with you a little bit this morning in verses 21 through 24, where it talks about this idea of getting wisdom and understanding and preserving sound judgment. There'll be uh, life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. You'll go on your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Um, about eight years ago now, my family was in this place of going, I had a ministry in Arkansas that was going really well. I was doing student ministry and my trajectory in life, I always felt like it was going to be student ministry for the, my entire life. That's all I wanted to do was hang out with teenagers and help them understand who Jesus was. And then somewhere along the way, God started changing some passions in my life and this seed got planted a little bit with it was like, nah, I may have a different path for you, a different direction for you. I want you to be a lead pastor, not just a student pastor anymore. And so I started wrestling with that idea because my family, we'd been in Arkansas for three years. We had bought a house only two years before. And honestly, it wasn't on my wife's top priority list to move again and go somewhere else and do something else. And so um, 
So I was wrestling with this idea of, God, do I follow you here? Or do I stay where I am? Things are really good. What, what are you really calling me to do? And, and, and part of my personality, uh, if you guys haven't gotten to know me very well, there's some things that I love about my personality. There's some other things that are really hard about my personality. One is that I second guess myself a lot <laughs> about like everything. Uh, the other thing is I have a really hard time making decisions. Uh, I have to really weigh and wrestle and talk through. Like it's, it's tough sometimes to make decisions. And so there's this wrestling thing that's going on inside of me. Am I going to do something that's going to jeopardize my family? Is this going to be good for us? Is God really saying this or is this my ego talking? Like, where am I supposed to be, God? What am I supposed to do? And I felt like God really led me to this passage because I'd been having just sleepless nights and restlessness and I didn't know what to do. And so I get to this verse. If you'll pursue wisdom and get understanding, when you lie down, you won't be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And so this just became my prayer for a couple of months. God, if my family and I are supposed to move to East Tennessee and be the pastor at Grace Fellowship Church, I'm just going to need peace about that. Tonight, as I get ready to go to sleep, will you just let my head hit the pillow and find peace? I haven't been sleeping much. Would you just let me find rest? And God, if this is your direction and your path for us, let sleep be sweet. And I got to tell you guys, from the moment that I started praying that prayer, God just let me rest at night. And I just started sleeping in complete peace and waking up the next morning, not feeling the tension of wrestling, but just going, okay, God, if they ask, and it's not all in my hands, it's still some in their hands, but if they ask, I'll go. And God brought us to a place of peace about that decision. And so for you, maybe you're in a place where you're trying to make decisions about some things too, and you've got some major life decisions that you're wrestling with. For some of you, it may just be about going, God, if this is of you, just let me have sleep. Let me have peace. Let me have rest. And if I can't be at peace and I can't rest and sleep avoids me, then God, maybe I want to see that as you pointing me in a different direction. Maybe I'm pursuing some things that are not wise and some things that I don't need to be doing. And I'm not saying that's the end all be all answer. You have to discern and listen to God. But I can tell you that if God is in it, he tells us here in his word that he's going to bring us to a place of rest and peace. And so I think you can pursue him in that way. If we were sitting across from Solomon this morning, I think he'd pause again. He's like, man, we've talked about some great stuff here. He'd probably take another sip of coffee and then he'd go, but I got one more relationship that I want us to talk about. And that's some relationships that you have with your neighbors. Because the Bible, like I said earlier, isn't really an instruction manual about how to keep and follow and obey rules. It's more like a guide for how to be in relationships. The first and greatest relationship we're in is with God himself. And then we're in relationship with other people. There's this vertical relationship with God and a horizontal relationship with others and the Ten Commandments are really the greatest thing that we point to in that. The first four commands that God gives to us are relational commands about how to honor him and be in relationship with him. Then the last six commands are things that are about how do we relate to other people. Don't steal from people. And don't kill people. And don't lie to people. And don't covet what they have, right? Like all of these things, it's like stay in relationship with people. And so Solomon, I think, taking from that, he writes this in verses 27 through 35. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. 
Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they've done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse, but he takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. And so what I noticed this week as I was reading this, just over and over, kind of going through it, was how many times he says, do not. And did that stick out to anybody? Do not, over and over again. It's almost as he's saying, hey, listen, just don't be a jerk to people, okay? Like if you're gonna be out there living in a relationship with people, don't withhold things from them if you have it to give. Don't try to be uh, envious toward them. If, if there are things that you can do, don't withhold that. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. Right? Don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways. There's all these do nots here. And it goes back again to the commandments that were given. Like how to live in a relationship with people. Don't do things to people that would bring harm into their life. And so for us, we have to start asking ourselves what it looks like to be a good neighbor and to have good relationships with people. And the whole point of these relationships that we have with our neighbors, if we're going to be genuine Christ followers, the goal and the point that we should have is how do I leverage these relationships that I have with the people who live around me for God's kingdom? Like it's never supposed to be about, I just want to be a nice person to my neighbors. It's like, how do I help my neighbors discover that there's a God who loves them? How do I help my neighbors find a relationship with Jesus if they don't have one already? How do I leverage where God has placed me to bring honor and glory to his name and to help other people find him? That's the objective of where we live. And so for us as a church, earlier this year, we talked about how to be more engaged as a church in evangelism. And I know that that's a scary word for a lot of people. It was always a scary word for me. Uh, and I think I've told my story a little bit. Like I have this kind of background and upbringing in a church, certain church uh, denomination and, and upbringing. And the idea was always like, hey, we're just going to do cold turkey evangelism, uh, which is a way of saying we're going to go to strangers' houses and knock on their doors. And if they open it, we're going to try to find a way on the spur of the moment to tell them about Jesus. Terrifying, right? Like that is scary. And so we've tried to, to make this something that we find strategies that work in our relationships with people around us to be able to help you as, as our church, to know how to be in gospel-centered relationships and to share the gospel with people where you live, where you work, and where you play. And, and so we've kind of been talking about this, and it's been a little while since we brought it up, but I wanted to kind of come back to this today just as we close up this morning and talk about this acronym that we gave to, to you about a year ago. It's called BLESS. And as we think about BLESS, I just want to highlight this. And if you're new to us, this will be hopefully helpful to you to go, how do I live in a relationship with people that allows me to share my faith? The first thing that we want to do is focus on this B, which is to begin in prayer. Like I want to begin just by praying for my neighbors. As I walk my neighborhood, as I'm walking through my community, as I take a break at work and just walk around in the areas where people are in their jobs Am I praying for people and praying for God to open doors for me to build relationships with them that might in some way and in some time give me the chance to share my faith with them? So begin just by praying. Then the second thing is L, it's listen. God, would you give me opportunities as I'm praying for these people and when they come up to me and you begin to open up relationship and my neighbor comes to me and starts to talk about some things or I find out there's an issue going on in their life and I just want to learn to listen well. I want to hear them. I want to know their struggle. I want to follow my heart and link my heart to theirs and I want to follow with where they're going. 
And so God, just help me to listen well to people and engage them. The third letter is E, it's eat. This is our favorite one. Right? Like we're all gonna be like, hey, let's go find a time to eat together. And utilize your relationship that you're building with your neighbors just to invite somebody. Maybe it's out for coffee. Maybe it's over to your house for a meal. Maybe it's going out for a meal. But invite them to sit down and eat. Listen, here's what I've discovered. Over a meal, people will talk more than any other time. It's relaxed. It's a great environment. They're excited. You made a good spread for them, right? Like you're going to sit down at a table and it's just going to give you an opportunity to start building a relationship, asking some questions, listening to their story. And then we get to the first S in the word bless, which is to serve. In your conversations, you're going to find some things that somebody's going to say, and it's going to open a door for you to go, oh man, I can serve a need that they have. They mentioned to me something that was going on, and I can do something about that. Or maybe you just find, hey, you know what? My neighbors have been sick for a little while, and their yard, their grass is growing. I need to, to mow their yard. It's fall. I need to rake the leaves, right? Like I'm going to do that for them. I'm just going to find a way to serve them, to show them God's love, to be a conduit of the grace of God into their life. I want to serve these people. And then the final S is as you've done this, you've prayed for them, you've listened to them, you've shared a meal with them, maybe multiple meals with them. You've gone to coffee several times. You've been serving their needs. And now you're finally, maybe God is going to open a door for you to get to this final S, which is share that you've earned the right to share what you know about faith in Jesus with somebody that you're not sure if they have a relationship with Jesus or not. And as God takes you through this relationship building, that he's going, I want to get to a place where you can share with your neighbor the goodness of God, that you can offer hope to them, that they can find a relationship that will change their lives forever all because you were a good neighbor. There was a quote that I was reminded of uh, this week, and I can't remember who it was actually from originally, but the lady said this, God doesn't need more soldiers. He needs better neighbors. And I think that's so powerful and so profound. And so as we wrap up this morning, we're going to sing one last song together and just worship and conclude our time together. But as we get to this place this morning, I think if we were sitting down having a cup with Solomon, that he might get to this point in the conversation and he might just say, so let me ask you some questions. And I want you to think about which of these relational spheres, your relationship with God, your relationship with wisdom and your relationship with other people, where do you need to invest most this week in your life? And so I want you to take this to heart this morning of just going, if there's one place that I need to give some time and energy to this morning, how am I doing in abiding in my relationship with God through Jesus? And what does my pursuit of wisdom look like? Is wisdom more valuable to me than gold and silver and rubies? Or am I leaning on my own understanding and doing things my own way and not even giving a thought that there is wisdom from God that could direct me and give me straight paths? And then finally, where are you investing in a relationship with your neighbors? And so one of these three spheres this week, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit just prints on your heart to say, man, I need to invest some time here. I need to get back to a place where I'm trying to pursue God, where I'm really trying to dig in and find out what wisdom has to say about this place in my life, this time period in my life, this situation in my life. Or what am I doing with the people who God has put around me? And what's my role 
in introducing them to the goodness of Jesus. And so here's the homework for us this week, doing one of those three things, but then also thinking about Proverbs chapter three. And every day, just reading this chapter, thinking about these three relational spheres, and each day, write down one thought that the Holy Spirit leads to you. And as you journal through this every day, you'll be amazed at what God's gonna pull into your heart, put into your mind, and call you to do as you follow him. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.